The recent WannaCry ransomware attacks were confirmed to have impacted radiology equipment at at least two U.S. hospitals. Could there be others impacted as well? I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with medical device cybersecurity expert Dr. Kevin Fu, CEO and co-founder of Verta Labs, a healthcare cybersecurity company. Kevin will be discussing the challenges that WannaCry and potential future ransomware attacks pose to medical devices. So, Kevin, medical device manufacturer Bayer has confirmed that two hospitals in the U.S. had reported to the company that their Bayer radiology equipment was impacted by WannaCry. The manufacturer says that operations at both sites affected were restored within 24 hours, and the company is also issuing guidance and a certified patch for its Windows-based devices. So at this point, is it possible that other hospitals and healthcare providers also have infected medical devices that were impacted by WannaCry but just don't realize it yet? And why? There's a whole lot of uncertainty going on regarding not only the present ransomware, but future ransomware, and even things beyond ransomware. I sort of view WannaCry and ransomware in general as sort of like cockroaches. You know, you squish one, but what about the 99 other ones in the wall? So there's a lot that is not being aired in public out of sensitivity. And I think, as you point out, there's evidence of the ransomware riddling its way into some medical devices. But the real problem, in my view, is that we don't have a good way to get assurance that it won't happen again. What about the next piece of ransomware that comes in via a different vector? So now, Kevin, is WannaCry the first time that hackers have successfully attacked a medical device using ransomware? If so, what is the significance of this? And if not, What other types of malware slash ransomware infections have we seen in medical devices so far? I think we don't have a good answer. Is this the first one? I don't know. However, this is certainly the most public note about a medical device being infected with ransomware. What's interesting to me is that almost a year ago, in July of 2016, the Office of Civil Rights in HHS issued a ransomware fact sheet. And in that fact sheet, they explain that when ransomware gets into a device that has PHI or patient health information, it's considered a breach under HIPAA rules, unless proven otherwise by some kind of evidence of a low probability. And I think what that means is people already knew of the risks of health information systems as well as medical devices potentially being impacted by malware, such as ransomware, for quite a long time. It's just only now that we're starting to hear some examples because it's kind of hard to hide when when the medical devices go down. So now, Kevin, if a malware or a ransomware like WannaCry infects a medical device, what are the first signs of that? Does the ransomware give a warning on the medical devices somewhere like it does on other computers? Or are there other signs that organizations need to be watching for? The less bad news is that when ransomware infects a machine, because of the business model, usually the writer of the malware wants to get your attention to to get the bills paid, and so you'll immediately see some kind of ransom demand. However, in medical devices, hospitals tend to be extremely interconnected, 
you may find certain medical devices no longer functioning, not because they got infected by malware, but because some other central service that the medical device depends on got infected by malware. Now, in that case, there might not be any kind of explicit notification to the clinician, uh, and it might just appear to be a slow network, creating some frustration uh, among those in, in the clinical workflow. So it's not always going to be possible to know in the clinical environment whether it's ransomware, unless it just happens to be one of these special cases uh, where the ransomware directly got into that medical device. Kevin, what should a healthcare provider immediately do to protect patient safety, data security, and to stop the spread of malware if the provider does suspect a ransomware or other malware infection impacting medical devices? Well, I can tell you what I would say some of the better prepared hospitals have done. I think it's it's going to be hard to find sort of comforting advice to those who are uh, infected if they don't already have contingency plans But some of the better prepared health systems do multiple levels, spanning from education up to the contingency planning and the backups. If you get infected by malware and you have appropriate backups, you'll be able to get the data back. It'll take some time, and it may interrupt your clinical workflow, but you'll be able to get the data back. On the other hand, if you don't have these contingency plans, if you don't have the backups, let's just pose this as a hypothetical for a moment. Imagine you pay a ransom and you get back the data that you're using for therapeutics or diagnostics on a medical device. How can you possibly trust in the safety and effectiveness of something that was just given back to you by some random intruder, possibly across the world, who maybe doesn't have your interests at heart? How can you actually trust that device to be safe and effective? So I think the only way to actually restore trust in the safety and effectiveness is to restore it to a known state from a bona fide backup or a factory reinstall, and that will take time. So the best approach is not to get infected in the first place, and there are definitely things you can do, but it all boils down to knowing your inventory. A lot of the problems today come down to no maliciousness or wrongdoing on the part of a health system, but they just frankly have so many devices and so many different pieces of software, they just have a hard time knowing what's vulnerable and what's a high priority. And Kevin, what about the patching? In this instance, it was a Windows-based or Windows-based operating systems were vulnerable. And as we know, a lot of medical devices have these older operating systems. What's your advice when it comes to the patching? In the cynical view, there, there are two kinds of software. There's unmaintained software. That's where the hospital perhaps has chosen not to maintain it. And then there's unmaintainable software, and that's where the manufacturer makes it impossible for a health system to maintain, even if they want to. This creates quite a conundrum for those at the point of care. And as you point out, patching is is a big issue. Number one, you need to know, do you need to patch at all? And a lot of times, healthcare systems have trouble even knowing if a device is up to date. And then number two, applying those patches. There are different ways to apply the patch. In some cases, the health system is responsible for applying the patch. And in other cases, the manufacturer is responsible for applying the patch. However, in all cases, any FDA-regulated devices, FDA has explicitly told manufacturers that they are expected to maintain the safety and effectiveness of medical devices. And if that means a patch, they need to provide the patch. So there's no question that patching must be provided to the healthcare systems. However, in practice, it is challenging because the medical device manufacturers will often need to go through some pretty heavy-duty engineering called verification and validation to make sure that the patch will not interrupt the clinical workflow. 
And finally, Kevin, looking ahead to the next WannaCry sort of crisis. Anything that's emerged from this last crisis with WannaCry that you think that healthcare organizations need to act on now when it comes to the medical devices? Yes, I think we're going to be crushing these cockroaches in a very ad hoc manner until we get one very simple thing done, and that is accurate inventory of cybersecurity risks of medical devices as it affects essential clinical performance. Um, The reason I say that is because pretty much all these problems boil down to the bad guys know the clinical networks better than the good guys. The bad guys know how to riddle their way in. They know what the vulnerabilities are. And it's not fair that the healthcare systems don't have this information as well. So we got to figure out how to make the inventory more readily available to the healthcare system so they can do their job and get back to the delivery of healthcare. And any suggestions on how to get this inventory information out in an easier way so that healthcare organizations can have access to it? Yes. I think the number one thing the healthcare systems need to do is find a way to safely inventory everything on their clinical networks, not only their intended devices like the medical devices, but also get a really good cataloging of what's known as shadow IT. These are devices, almost like contraband, that appear on clinical network from unknown sources. And until the hospital gets really good coverage on this, it's going to be tough for them to roll out effective defenses. They're always going to be playing catch-up until they know their inventory. The trick is they need to do it safely without interrupting the clinical workflow. I would love to suggest scanning all of your clinical networks, but I won't. And the reason why I won't is because we know that scanning a network tends to cause medical devices to topple over because the medical devices were not designed to withstand some very simple probing of of security vulnerabilities. So I'd say you need to figure out how to get a good handle on your inventory without interrupting clinical workflow. Be careful of those enterprise tools that will do a very good job if you don't need to worry about safety. But when it comes to safety, never interrupt that clinical workflow. Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to Dr. Kevin Fu. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.